Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine Hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention. Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to? So y'all, it has been a couple of weeks. First weekend in March, I was down in San Diego for the birthday party of my 90-year-old mother-in-law. This is my 90-year-old mother-in-law literally doing the hustle at her birthday party. So one of the things that was so great about this is here is this woman. I texted a friend of mine during the party and I said, I want to be spending my 90th birthday party dancing. She started dancing from the moment she entered the party until the moment she left the party about three and a half hours later. And at one point, the song, Do the Hustle, which was a big hit in like 1975, came on. And she was literally doing the hustle. And it was so great because it also connected then to my experience this last weekend of me doing the hustle in a very different way. So I had created a goal for myself that I was going to publish my new book no later than last Monday. And so what that meant was I was working with my editor over the weekend before we were doing all of this stuff to get the book ready so that then I spent uh, six hours with my communications director on Monday, and we got the book published, which was amazing. Thank you very much. And then Tuesday, I had a couple of calls, got in the car, drove uh, from Pasadena to Fresno, and it's been raining here. So it took about four hours to get to Fresno, where then the next day, Wednesday, I delivered a keynote talk and attended the conference for several hours and then got back in the car and drove back to Los Angeles and got back into Los Angeles Wednesday night. Thankfully, smartly, I had given myself the day on Thursday as a recovery day. And I realized that I really needed that day. While I love keynote speaking and I love doing this podcast and I love being with people, I actually get my energy from being by myself, which is one of the definitions of being an introvert. That I, I get my energy to do what I do 
by being by myself. And so I really needed that day on Thursday, yesterday, to just chill out and be by myself and read. And I watched a little silly TV and I pet petted my cat and recharged my batteries. And I got to thinking about those two different experiences of doing the hustle, which was, which is a great intro to our guest for today. And I am so excited for this conversation. So I want to introduce everyone to Grima Gupta. And I'm going to start by reading a quote from Jane Goodall, which is, every individual matters. Every individual has a role to play. Every individual makes a difference. Garima's wholehearted belief is that this saying is really what drives her work in inclusion, equity, diversity, and in all kinds of other work that she does. And she believes, as do I, that our individual voices matter, no matter how small the platform or how small the ideas. And she is a human resource leader working for many years across many industries and geographies. So check this out, y'all. India, China, Australia, Sub-Saharan Africa in the US, the UK, and Central America. And she has seen firsthand the difference that small voices can make. And these issues have become a high priority at a time when human resources is really challenged to constantly improve employee experiences, invest in talent, and adapt to rapid change. She does a lot of workshops and she speaks at events on inclusion, equity, and diversity, and loves connecting with other people about their experiences and helping organizations that are really scaling up, rethink their culture and become more open to other cultures as they grow in countries and regions. Welcome to the show, Karima. Thank you, Janine. And it's a pleasure to be here talking to you on your very important topic and very important podcast topic as well. Would love to share my ideas and learn from you as well. Yes. Please. So obviously, one of the things that so Karima and I had a wonderful conversation when we were talking about what might be what might make for a great podcast. And one of the things that when I asked Karima the question, which I, I'll just go ahead and ask you again. So, you know, what is something that you have become aware of that either consciously or not consciously we're not paying enough attention to? And what's the cost of that? I think uh, the the biggest thing that I have come to my own realization with is that we are saying that, you know, when, when people ask you, how are you these days? The answer is not that, hey, I'm good, I'm fine, or I'm doing well. But the most common answer that you will hear, and no matter where you are, is that I am so busy, I am swamped, I'm up to my eyeballs with work, with this, with kids, with something or the other. And so busyness these days is this badge of honor. 
yes. busyness these days is, you know, almost like a status symbol. Yeah. And we all want to wear it. We all want to have that as our status because, uh, and, and there have been lots of research and we'll, we'll talk a lot about it, about how people believe there's a perception that if you tell people that I'm busy, I'm doing so much, somehow they believe that you are successful, you're rich, you're famous, you're this and that. Because if you tell, hey, I'm having a, you know, I'm having a good time. I'm taking it easy. I've I've been doing lots of reading and being playing with my kids. And then they're like, oh, I think their job is not that important. I think right. they're just taking it easy or they might not be making so much money. Maybe they got laid off, you know, whatever that perception. But yeah. actually, there have been researchers which have shown that. So I think that's what I would love to talk about with you today, Janine, about what is this costing us, right? We are putting ourselves in that place where we keep saying that let's hustle, let's yeah. be busy. And that hustling that you showed of your mother-in-law, no, that's not the kind of hustle you're talking about. <laughs> all, all power to her, more power to people who want to do that kind of hustle. Right. But it's the other kind of hustle that you were explaining that, you know, yeah. You had the sanity to give yourself a day, but imagine if you hadn't. Right. What could that lead to? And what are we losing without even realizing what we are losing when we are putting ourselves in that grind constantly, nonstop? Right. Uh, I, I love this conversation. And I think we can all identify with this reality. And actually, when I was prepping for our conversation today, I came across this article. This is an article from the Harvard Business Review. And what they are talking about is exactly what you are pointing to, that we have been increasingly using our busyness, our crazy schedules as, as a badge of honor. And this last sentence here, you know, simply put, busyness has become a status symbol. And this was actually the first time that I had ever seen this, this term, time poverty. And I think that that is a really important concept because, you know, when we think about scarcity, when we think about mm -hmm. a, a poverty, not enough right. of something, it triggers really key things. And so I'm wondering if you can um, illuminate some for us around sort of this scarcity, not enough time idea and, and what the impacts of, of that are of that. Yeah. And, you know, the there's, there's two things to this, right? This time poverty thing that you brought up. One is that truly asking yourself, is time, are you really poor in time? Or are you poor in time management? Right. Or are you poor in prioritization? Or because, you know, when we say we don't have time for this, then it truly, truly means that this is not a priority, right? Whether it is exactly. a basketball game that we needed to go for our kid, or it's a, you know, recitation that we wanted to listen for, a kid reciting a poem that they wrote, or whatever that might be, right? That book that we haven't read, which is lying there in, in its cover, <laughs> it's it's because what have we prioritized? And on more often than not, what we find is that the human nature is that, you know, we'll go to the easiest thing possible. And the easiest thing these days is what? It is our, you know, our wonderful iPhones or whatever smartphones that you are addicted to. Right. And it's easy to, you know, scroll on it. It's easy to look at Facebook and, you know, just, just keep on sc scrolling on Instagram with the various reels. Or uh, even look at that email that, 
you know it's not important. You know it's not required for you to answer right now. You can answer it on Monday, but you will respond to it and make yourself feel that, you know, you did something. So right. we, we all want to be in that place where we feel like we did something. But one of the concepts that I think we are all trying to learn, even in our performance management at work, is what is the impact, right? What is the impact of your doing? And so if you've spent a very busy day and if you were to write down, what did you achieve today, right? What did you get out of it? What is the one thing that you did you felt, right, this is a good thing I did, this was a productive thing. And oftentimes we will find is that we can write down that list of activities that we did, but then when you come to writing the impact, it's, you know, all head scratches. And that's what <laughs> happens in a lot of organizations when people are writing their, you know, performance reviews and it's review season again, where activities are so many. I woke up at so early, I was attending meetings till so late, but then what did you achieve by that in the year, in the quarter, in the week? And that's where people are stumped to say, I, I didn't achieve anything, but I was so busy. Like I right. spent all of my time at work. What else do you want me to do? How do you think I'm working 70 hours a week? How right. many more hours do you need for me? And the answer is again, that no, it's not the more hours. Maybe you do four hours of work every day, but then what's the achievement, right? So it is that if you remember, Stephen Covey had shown us this quadrant, which is what is urgent, what is important, what is not important, what is not urgent, right? right? And so our understanding of the urgent and the important is often not so clear. You know, that, that line is so thin that we yeah. forget. And that's why this concept of time poverty then comes in all of our lives where we are like, oh my God, I have no time to, you know, uh, read a book. I have no time to smell the roses and stop and, you know, look at all things important. It's because we are not giving ourselves time. So we are making ourselves time poor. It's not work. It's not somebody else. Oftentimes, we need to look inwards and not have, you know, the finger pointed at somebody else because three fingers are pointing right back at us to say, what have you done? And it, it's hard to take it in because yeah. believe me, when I took it in and somebody pointed this out to me, I was like, no, no, what, what are you talking about? I have like a large <laughs> team and I manage so many people and right. you know, all of my time is going in the one-on-one -on -one and the coaching but was it really was I not just getting in the busyness and keeping the hustle on so that my colleagues and my boss and everybody thought that I am so busy but at the end of the day what do I have to show for it right so I think that is the time poverty concept at least how I have understood it yeah I and and I love all of the different things that you're pointing to in that. And I, I was on the phone or on Zoom with a client earlier today, and she was talking about the organization that she leads and, and her challenge with, you know, I, I have some folks who are high up in the organization who are able to you know, go and play golf and do these things. And like, why am I not able to do these things? Like, well, let's take a look at it, you know, because the person who says you're not able to do it is you. So I, for years, I wanted to learn how to scuba dive. And I decided that I would spend the time and the energy and the money when I was going to go someplace that I could dive. 
And then the year before I finally realized I was being stupid, I was in Hawaii and I was in Mexico uh, on the coast and I was someplace else. And then I realized, okay, we never actually have enough time. We never Mm -hmm. actually have enough money. It's all about how we choose, as you were saying, how we choose to prioritize, how we choose to make decisions, to spend our time, to spend our money. And I live in Los Angeles. I live, you know, 14 miles from the ocean. And right off of our coast is Catalina Island, which is surrounded by the world's largest kelp forest, where there are a lot of fishes. So, (laughs) like, I am in prime scuba diving territory all the time. Uh, So for my 40th birthday, actually, I signed up and I learned how to scuba dive. And it was one of the greatest things that I ever did for myself. And it, it reinforced with me this idea that, and I talk with organizations all the time about this. They're like, you know, we really need to focus on whatever, employee engagement or emotional intelligence or diversity or you know, but we just don't have, we just don't have the money for it. Mm. Like, well, show me your budget. I'll show you what your priorities are. You know, we spend money, we spend time on the things that we have decided that we care about. And so if we decide that we care about something else, then we reallocate. And, you know, that's, that's the way that it works. But I think because we have all fallen into this, I'm so busy mm-hmm. equals I am keeping up with the Joneses. I okay. am worthy. I am a good person. I have an important job. I am making contributions. You know, we've collapsed these two things that actually have nothing to do with one another because we can be incredibly busy and get absolutely nothing done and make no <laughs> contributions to society at all. And so our opportunity is to decouple these these concepts and and to figure out, so what do I care about? What does matter to me? And then how do I prioritize that? So again, as I was as I was prepping for this, I came across this article. And so it's talking about the impact on us of our busy culture and i i was very intrigued by the way they broke down our impact on emotional health so we're Mm -hmm. stressed and we're overwhelmed and we're sad and we're frustrated and we're lonely and we feel incompetent and we feel guilty for the things that we're not doing and then they looked at the impact on physical health you know and and muscle tension and restlessness and insomnia and headaches and inflammation and fatigue changes in our sex drive digestion issues cardiovascular issues compromised immune function incredibly important as we are still you know with the mm-hmm. impacts of the covid virus and so you know when we think about the impact both on our emotional health and in our physical health for buying into this busyness culture I wanted first I wanted to get your take on that and then I want us to us to talk a little bit about like okay well this is wretched so so what do we do about this right so uh, let me tell you a little bit of an of an incident and maybe that illustrates a little bit because what you got on there both for physical health mental health spiritual health even financial right. health I would say 
it impacts everything all yeah. of when you are busy and not paying attention there is a lot of cost right as you've illustrated to multiple examples and so here's an example i was talking to a friend of mine very she's very successful in her career you name it and she's done it kind of thing like you know like you published a book and does lots of keynote speaking she's a very senior exec in a multinational firm and so she and i were talking about you know all these layoffs that are happening and how this is impacting people we are both in hr so you know we we worry about what happens to people and so on and so forth right. and so she was telling me that from last 3 years because since you know covid uh, came into the scene she hasn't been able to take you know time off like meaningful time off she's taken right. a day off here there and whatever yep. and so much so that at the end of last year she decided to leave her job she resigned from her job which was oh. very precious to her she'd worked really hard to get to it oh. and she was doing really well she's won some awards and so on and so forth but she was so she was like my cup is so empty garima that mm-hmm. i have nothing to give and so that is a cost right if you empty your cup so much by giving by hustling by being so busy that you will find yourself that's another kind of poverty right like right. you have nothing to give and that leads to that burnout to that stress to that anxiety which leads to you know the heart disease the cardiovascular problems and all of those and right. so that those are kind of the underlying cause which is happening right we we learned about the word burnout so much in the last couple of years right during the pandemic right. i think that became apart from some of the other concepts we learned and then quite quitting and you know all of those other terms started coming up because people were like oh i'm i'm burning out i've given as much as possible and therefore i have nothing left to give and therefore let me i don't know quite quit or let me quit uh period quick 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 quit right right and so that is for me a, a what is happening with a lot of people where you realize the impact to your health once it is already impacted right right so not when you are in it but once you are you know far away and you you already been impacted either by burnout or stress or work doesn't seem interesting anymore because the same work for which you were hustling nonstop that is the one that's going to burn you out so much because you are not dividing again the urgent versus important versus non important you're not yeah. you know uh, you're not bringing it up in a way where you're dividing your time equally so that yeah. you are able to give your family life enough time and be able to take that rest that break rest is not reward i want to i want to just say that oh, and say that again please yes because you deserve rest Right. nature has made our body where we are awake for let's say 12 hours and we are asleep for 10 to 12 hours that is how nature designed us who are we to then say though no let's hustle up let's only sleep for 4 hours right it's whether we are in our very young age and there's there been a lot of studies where teenagers who are waking up very early going to high school very early there was a lot of a conversation here in our state that let's make sure that teenagers have enough time to sleep because when they sleep that's when they grow both right. mentally and physically right and it's the same applies to us as our bodies are aging as our bodies are you know taking on more and learning more if we don't give it rest they are not ready to be recuperated and work with the same energy as we are required to we all feel right if if you hadn't taken that rest on thursday 
do you feel that you were able to give so much of yourself on Friday? Absolutely not. Right. So yeah. that is the crux of all of this, that we need to give ourselves space. When we say give space to others, we need to be, and, and, and I'm going to make a call out for HR professionals for sure, because, you know, we preach well, but right. we don't practice it. <laughs> yeah. So what this article is about is about the issue of burnout and this this author who wrote this article for the Harvard Business Review was realizing that organizations that talk about the importance of a work-life balance or work-life harmony are often also doing a bad job at walking that talk, at struggling, as this article says right here in the middle of this quote, struggling to live that value. I think, you know, we are, we all at some level, we are aware, and especially through the pandemic, this idea of work-life balance and work-life harmony, because so many people have been working more because we're yep. working from home, has become really important. But then how do we create those effective boundaries? How do we because right now it is still countercultural to say, I, I need time. I need to recover. I need to take a vacation. I need time off. I need to sleep more, more than, you know, four or three hours a night. Yeah. So, so how do we start creating that for ourselves yeah. and for our organizations? Yeah. So I'll say that one, one thing I learned as well last year was that self-care does not only lead to better outcomes for mental health or you know reducing burnout yeah. i think organizations systems they play a very big role and as as you were pointing out in that article it is true right there's one thing for me to say that i want to take time or i want to take vacation or janine you know what i i've done enough i want to go away yeah. but it's another thing for you as let's say my boss or the manager of the team to say, no, 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 we have three more priorities to get out before the end of the year because right. I've promised the CEO, so and so and so. And so then when, when I'm saying prioritization and not understanding the issue of important versus urgent, I think the same goes for leaders in the organization, right? They're not different. They, they are made of the same cloth. And right. so for them, when what I see in a lot of, and I'm going to say name tech organizations, is that in, in these hustle of, you know, being first, being the largest, getting to IPO or going beyond IPO or, you know, whatever that next stage uh, that you want to reach to is. Right. This constant pressure of doing so much is embedded in your culture, right? It right. is rewarded. It is rewarded, whether right. it is rewarded as you being named as high potential, you being named as a high performer, you being given that extra bonus, that larger salary, that meaty project, whatever that is. And so what we reward is what we continue to see, right? Yep. So I absolutely fully agree to the point that self-help or self-care can only take you so much. And right. then there is a system angle to it. However, I also believe that I can only change what's in my control, right? So I can right. affect my team as a leader. I can impact myself as the leader of my family and so on and so forth. So that's why today's conversation I think is less about the system. Yes, the systems need to change. And that yeah. I would say is a separate conversation and we should have that separate conversation. <laughs> that will be part two. That would be part two. 
But I think today what I'm talking about is that the individual has some blame to take as well. Absolutely. And the individual has some agency. And it is that agency that we have to use to say, what can I cut, right? You have to start somewhere. If there is so much clutter around you, then you have to start somewhere to say, okay, this piece on my left side, I'm going to fix that first nice. and then come to the right side and then come, you know, so on and so forth. So that's what I'm talking about that. What can you do today? What can you do, which is in your control to be able to get some of that back? Because the fact of the matter is if tomorrow you were in the hospital because of this cardiovascular disease, because of that right. stress and burnout and anxiety, nobody from your office is going to come and give you a pot of soup or maybe they come one day and send you some, you know, food service or some right. flowers, but that's right. about it. Right. Yeah. They, they cannot care and they will not care anymore. No matter how empathetic the organization is, how empathetic your leader is. The fact of the matter is who will bear the brunt of it. It is your family and it is you. Right. Mm -hmm. So that and, is where you need to focus. Right. And the reality is that the organization is not going to fall apart. If no. you are in the hospital, yeah, that work is either going to get done or it's not going to get done. Yeah. Somebody else and, is going to have that heart attack because, right? They, you know, and, they, they'll take on your work. And I mean, but what part of what's so funny and interesting to me about this idea and about this sort of perpetual busyness that we have created is that when when we do take a break, when we do stop, when we do step back. It's not, you know, we, we we're don't know not actually all that important. Right. And we don't um, know what to do with ourselves. Like, I, I I don't know about you, but, you know, the initially when I took some time off and I had like the kids were at school, my husband was working and I had like this couple of days off that I'd like forced myself to take. Like, what should I do with myself? Like, OK, maybe. So I made a long list. I should read this book. I should call five friends. I should write four emails. I should book myself on two podcasts. I should, you know, write two. <laughs> and so there you go. Because, right. you know, otherwise I would land up looking at my phone. Right. I would land up looking at my phone, watching Insta, uh -huh. doing some snooping on Facebook or the other. So, oh my God, I'm that trend. so it's. It also has led to us not knowing what to do with ourselves because our mind now needs to be constantly engaged, right? right? Like we used to say that kids who have short attention span, that could lead to, you know, not so great outcomes. They could right. be diagnosed with ADHD, this and that. And now ADHD now. has become so common now. Right. I, and I, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. But I would say that we all feel like that right now, right? So if you don't look at your phone for... I don't know, a couple of hours, like try it. Right. This need to look at it, right? And and enough studies have come out which says that the same parts of your brain light up as when you do some drugs, right? I, I think yeah. cocaine or some other parts yeah. where yeah. the same parts of your uh, brain light up. So that that is the, it's almost like an addiction that we right. as a society, as a culture, as a country, as, as the entire globe, we've yeah. all become so used to it. So we are so distracted all of the time. That is why this uh, all of these meditation apps have become so popular, right? Because they're like preaching. So we'll give you a mindful moment. The, the, the reality is that you can have a mindful moment if you keep that screen away. If you just look at your, you know, whoever that real person is in front of you, have a real <laughs> conversation without bending to look down at your phone five times. Right. And, you know, it, that kind of thing. So that that is, I think, the crux of it. That That is my message today that, it, 
do what's in your control, right? You can't fix the system all on its own unless you are the CEO of the company. Yeah. But I do believe that there's something you can do for yourself so that, you know, you get some time back so that you do not experience time poverty. Yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, as I, as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about myself standing in line at the grocery store and I will find myself pulling out my phone to distract myself because I'm bored standing right. in line for five minutes. Like, you know, what, what has happened to our ability to just stand in line and have a conversation with somebody or stand in line and just think about something. You know, we, we have this constant, we have created, we have, we have hooked ourselves on this drug, on this constant need for distraction and, and this myth of the importance of busyness. And I think our opportunity is to, is to break ourselves of that, both of that habit and of that myth. Absolutely. If you, uh, all sports coaches will tell you that when you are mindful, when you are present, that's when you do give your peak performance, right? You look at your swimmers, you look at your, any, any of your sportsmen, why is that they're, they're the pause before they throw the ball or pause before they make the jump? It is to center yourself. It is to give yourself that breath that aligns you with your body. And yeah. no, this is not mumbo jumbo. This is not, you know, the yoga that, oh my God, those deep breaths, I, I don't need them. <laughs> the fact is that if we don't breathe properly, then our body does something for us, right? So no, it's not mumbo jumbo. I, it does cause, the, it's scientifically proven right. to give you that moment, which makes you feel present, which makes you realize what's going on. The thing that I love about thinking about breath is that when we get hijacked, when we get triggered, when we get upset, often, depending upon what the thing is that's hijacking or triggering us, what can happen is we get thrown into our amygdala, into our fight, flight, freeze zone. And the thing that gets us out of it, the quickest and the easiest, is taking a deep breath. It, re it literally resets our brain because our brain realizes if I'm able to breathe deeply, I'm not actually running from a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> right. Because that part of our brain, our, mm -hmm. our amygdala, which is way back underneath the bottom of our skull, it was formed before we had speech, before we could talk. It does not know that it is 2023 and the saber-toothed tiger dangers are over. And so when we get freaked out, tensed up, afraid, overstimulated, which we can be doing with just using things like our phone or going into, you know, YouTube tunnels or I was in a big YouTube tunnel last night and I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, I should have been in bed 45 minutes ago. You know, and I'd watched lots of things that made me laugh and smile and but what i needed to be doing was getting ready for sleep right what i was doing instead was was distracting myself with james corden which was you know lovely <laughs> and fun, but really not productive when we take that deep breath we return our brain to our prefrontal cortex which is 
where we actually can think and have conscious thought. Right. And so, you know, yes, there is nothing mumbo jumbo about, about the importance of breath and the importance of deep breath. Right. So as we start wrapping up for today, I want to ask you, is there anything that you are hoping that we might have an opportunity to touch on that we haven't yet? Or is there sort of a place where you would like to leave our viewers and listeners? Yeah, I think I, I just like to leave people with this, that it's, it's a big issue. It's not going to get solved in five minutes. But as I said that, you know, if you are in a room full of clutter, you start somewhere. Yeah. So I would say start somewhere small. Maybe the phone is the most easiest thing to do to say, right. if right now the phone report tells you that you've watched your phone for three hours, of which two hours was Instagram, <laughs> maybe you reduce your Instagram watching time by 15 minutes and see how, and use that time instead to go for a walk or read a real book or, mm -hmm. I don't know, just sit down and do nothing and give yourself that space. You know, start small, smart, start by five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And if it makes you feel good, do more of it. And starting small for me is always, whether it's it's my DEI clients or wherever, I always say start somewhere, right? Not starting is not an option. Ah, Karima, thank you so much for your perspective and your wisdom and your deep understanding of this challenge that we are all in and giving us some really easy places to get started because not getting started, as you said, is not an option. I so appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you, Janine. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it as well. Uh, I am Janine Hamner-Holman, and this has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Remember, great leaders make great teams. Until next time. On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams.